There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on April the 5th, 2013. For newcomers, I always suggest you make good use of the website cuttingthroughmatrix.com. You'll see all the official sites listed on there, and they all carry lots and lots of audios for free download. Where I go through the big system that you're born into, and how it's comprised, where it's going, how it works, what its agendas are, because you're living through nothing but agendas, actually, and all the big things that happen in the world... Uh, from wars to bank crashes and so on, are all pre-planned long in advance to bring out other uh, advances in the big system script because you're living through the big script. And the script is also a big business plan. And those who run the countries also run the world now. We're global, you see. And they see the world and the nations as one big business. And they, of, course, they, of course, that's how they live very, very well at the very top of the tree, off, off the rest of the public, how it's always really been this way, even in ancient times. Only now it's on a massive scale. So help yourself to the audios and so on. Remember, too, you can get transcripts and all those sites listed there of, in, for print-up in English. And you can go into Alan Watt Sentient, sentinel.eu for transcripts in other languages. And remember, too, I always mention this at the start, rather than pester you all the way through, that you bring me to you, you the audience. I don't bring on advertisers as guests and so on. I don't get backed by advertisers. I don't um, get paid by anybody. And I don't have shares in any company that sells anything that's going to make you live forever. I just give you the sad news, and it's up to you what you want to do about it, because that's what life is. Life is fairly boring. It's very predictable when you understand what's happening. And you have to know how to handle it, and to handle it you must handle yourself, because the only thing you can truly handle is nothing but yourself, no one else. And it all starts with you. So you could help me keep going by buying the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com or donating. And from the U.S. to Canada, remember, personal checks are still good, as are international postal money orders. You can send cash or use PayPal. And across the world, you've got Western Union money grant and PayPal. And as I say, straight donations are awfully, awfully seriously welcome because we're going through austerity now. This is a big plan to kind of flatten all the majority of the planet's uh, peoples uh, under austerity, post-consumerism and so on, high taxations, a time when all your extra spending money is to go for energy fees and carbon taxes and lots of new, new taxes and so on. That's the, the big, big plan that was laid out a long time ago, in fact. Even in the 1970s, the Club of Rome came out with the first global revolution talking about this. And they said, too, they'd have to train the public to go into an authoritarian type of society because democracy was too inefficient for the big plans they had already made at the United Nations and those who own the United Nations because the, the, the UN isn't actually owned. And I've gone through the history of it before where the Royal Institute of International Affairs, a private organization and foundation that works with all the other big foundations run by the big international banking boys that lend to nations, the richest guys in the world, they set it up, this organization, and they also set up the United Nations too as a front organization to bring their big business plan into effect. And they can create a world now where it will be run perfectly, basically, 
uh, down the road, not too far from now, in fact, all the top eugenicists that are now called bioethicists, and they're teaching this stuff in college and university, uh, are, they're already pushing for uh, licensing down the road for, for even breeding, who can breed, who can't breed, and so on. And they hope to bring a, a better society and to serve them better at the top, of course, for the masters. And, uh, and it's pretty well all, all on its way. Now, most of your indoctrination isn't just from the little bits and bites you accumulate from the media and newsreels. It's also from uh, fiction. Fiction is one of the biggest ways to get things across using emotion and pictures. It's got all the, all the essentials in it, uh, audio and, and, and visual and so on, and the right scenes that imprint in your brain. You can change your minds about anything, and unfortunately, it's already working so well, it's, it's kind of too late to do much about that part of it. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix. And I've talked so many times about the, the techniques that are used for controlling people's minds because we're all controlled. And you brought an alienation, and of course you have culture creators that take over and they give you your culture, they bend your culture, they alter it, they direct your culture, and it works very, very well. It can actually conform cultures across the world into the same one-track system, and it's happening too. Big money's behind it, of course, and political agendas. And again, to the big private foundations with their armies of non-governmental organizations that are terribly well funded. So you can't really compete with them with the kind of money, the trillions actually, that throw out every year across the world by these big foundations. But you can keep up with what's happening at least and know what the cons are. And one of the biggest cons to take over from all the previous cons and stock markets and everything else is the carbon trading, of course. I've talked about that before too. And remember, some of the guys who set up the system we're living through now, guys who are long dead, wrote lots of books about the 20th century and the coming 21st century, and the changes they'd have to make even in the 20th century to prepare us for the 21st century, which is called the century of change. Change is good. That's what they say. Change is good. That's what they meant by that. Because this is the century where all of the big, long-term goals of a particular group come into effect. Something that's been planned for centuries, actually, comes into effect. Under the guise of equality and, and brotherly love and all that kind of stuff is all being manifested across the world. And it's really to benefit a single um, group, really, an elite who run the world. And they run, they've already run its finances for a long time, but now it goes into the biggest cons of trying to pull off way beyond stock markets and so on and investments and, and all the mortgage phony stuff that were put out and crashed the banks. That was all intended because they lose nothing when they crash the banks, they know governments will bail them out. And um, But the next thing, of course, is carbon credits. Big, big money to be involved in carbon credits. And eventually the whole, every single individual has to eventually pay all energy taxes and carbon credits. That's what it's all about. It's, um, it's called tax farming. Tax farming is part of history. If you go through history to find out who the tax farmers were, and how, how kings and queens would bring them in from other countries to tax their own people. And these people had nothing and no affiliations with the, these native populations. They actually hated them, in fact, to an extent. And so it was kind of mutual in an extent. But today, it's, I mean, they went into the stock markets, and now it's tax farming again through carbon stocks and credits and everything else. So just for existing 
which used to be called a head tax, should be taxed, and also for, for the consumption that you need to exist like any creature in the world, you're going to pay for it mightily so that uh, this ultra-elite can live even like never, ever before with riches that have never, they've never seen before. They've only dreamed of for centuries. It's all coming true for them, and it's done through conology. You con the public through science. Now, Bertrand Russell talked about this many, in many articles he wrote in papers, magazines, and in his own books. And Lord Bertrand Russell was a member of this uh, world elite. He, he helped uh, organize the international organizations that are still running the world today. And, um, and he, it's an utter snob, of course, but he, he pushed socialism as a technique of gaining an army, basically a land army that would work behind them and, and push all these things through. And on behalf of the elites, he was, he believed in eugenics too. He also believed there were too many of the working class and they should be kind of wiped out gradually over the years. And he believed in a scientific society running the whole show on behalf of the elites. And that's what you have. He said, eventually the public will be unable to do anything without the advice of an expert. And he gave examples way back in his own day. I mean, in his day back in the 40s, say in the 50s, 1940s, 50s, he said that eventually mothers would know how to change the diapers on their own children. And that was laughable back then because everybody brought up, was brought up in uh, uh, families where babies were born and everybody knew how to change diapers. But now we get to go for lessons for it and all that. And even then too, even pregnancy was not classified as an illness, a disease that you abort. It was a natural thing. Uh, strange that, isn't it? And of course, for thousands of years, folk believed that. And there was no sort of pre-lessons uh, um, uh, on how to have a child. It just happened, and no one uh, was fussed over it at all. It was all quite natural. But now everyone has to go and see and listen to experts for everything. You can't turn on a weather channel or whatever without hearing that every two millimeters of rain is going to be a flood, uh, uh, or a couple of millimeters of snow is going to be a whiteout. Uh, and they just keep hyping up nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. And if it's, re- if it's wet outside, they tell you how to dress. Like you're all fools, like zombies, you see. It's chronology and it's, 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 it's training through repetition until people cannot think for themselves. Now, again, I've mentioned before that Zygmunt Brzezinski mentioned uh, in, in his Between Two Ages and the Technotronic Era was inside that one. He talked about the... Uh, this coming system. It was already there back in the 1970s when he wrote the book. And he said too that, um, that people eventually will be unable to reason for themselves, to reason through information. He said that all they'll be able to do is to repeat the previous night's uh, download that they got from the news. And that's already here. He said eventually the people will actually expect the media to do the reasoning for them, like an appendage to your brain. And that truly has happened. It truly has happened. And, and of course, he wasn't talking out of a guess or of an of intuition. He was up there with the NSA, and he knew what they were working on. He knew all the techniques of the of the culture creators and the mass media and where it was going and, and what its jobs were and so on. A whole list of things they had to accomplish. Most of them have been accomplished already. So, you see, nothing out there is there by itself for your entertainment or anything else. Everything's out there to indoctrinate you, bend your mind, and direct your future and your opinions. They give you your opinions. 
Now, at one time, people were, were very, very suspicious of news media because they're all owned by private com- companies or governments like the BBC. And, um, and so they took everything with a pinch of salt and they tried to find out more information and find out what really was going on behind the information that was dealt out to them. They'd, they'd fill in all the blank pieces so they were suspicious, but not now. People really do think the media is there as an, as an appendage to their brain to do the reasoning for them. And people have a hard time coming to their own conclusions because they're not, all their whole life, they haven't been trained to use reasoning and logic. It's pretty well gone. It's sad that, but it's gone. But again, Russell said, as I said, he said that eventually experts, people would, would be unable to do anything without the advice of experts. And we're really, really here. Now, this big carbon credit nonsense is part of that too, because every mafia in the world, there's many kinds of mafia, remember. It's not, it's not the, the Italian mob we're talking about here, uh, bigger than that, uh, international mobs. Uh, and they're on in it too with the big, Foundations, etc. Remember the Royal Institute of International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations, their own historian Carol Quigley said, we take on all kinds of people, communists, uh, fascists, capitalists, uh, dictators, tyrants, we don't care. We take them all on board. And then that also goes too for the big mob bosses. And there's lots of mob bosses, believe you me, up in high finance. Lots of them. And especially in the US. A lot of them came in from other countries, even Russia. And they're up there in the stock markets and in government. And so there's a lot of, they've never seen so much money almost within their grasp if they can really push this off. But they need this whole thing about global warming to make it work. And hence you have thousands of scientists paid incredible amounts of money to push this, this political, social line of global warming, global warming. Mind you, they're very well rewarded, aren't they? The self-interest involved. And it gives them more personal power too. Now they're suddenly important. Before, no one would give them time of day. What do you do? I work in the weather. Oh, okay. And that was it, you see. Now, I read an article earlier this week to do with uh, global warming and, and chemtrails, geoengineering, they call it, in the scientific community. And, of course, for years they've been denying it was happening. And for years, every, every year they put out their global meetings on geoengineering, all these scientists and say, well, if we did do this, it could have terrible consequences, and so on. And then I read an article this week from the, the Guardian on the air here, and it was talking about it already has caused, so they admit it in their own article, it's already caused drastic effects. And um, so they've been doing it since, steadily since 1998, with lots of tests long before that, but steadily in North America, say, and in Europe since 1998. And this article I'm about to talk about here, it goes over that article again in, 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 uh, in more detail. It says, scientists seek to legitimize geoengineering while acknowledging its catastrophic effects. Now remember, behind all this is what's to come out of this, apart from depopulating the planet, which it's already doing, even animals are dying. It is, um, is also the, the big carbon thing. Countries are bet every, the whole future is on this big boom of money that's going to flow into them from all over from carbon credits. There has never been such a mafia concept before. This is one today. It's way beyond anything. It says there's still so many people who believe that anyone pointing out chemtrails in the sky and asking questions is somehow out of tune with reality. But it's slowly changing as geoengineering and its effects cannot be kept under wraps any longer. 
It's not surprising that the first to come out in mainstream media are so-called experts, playing on the current scientific consensus. They claim that the Earth is warming and a climate catastrophe is imminent. They call on geoengineering to be regulated on a global scale. So, again, a, a feigned crisis, uh, to, and they're going to come in and save you all. So just obey them and bow down and pay up. I mean, that, that's a simple old trick, you see. And it says, um, published in The Guardian, it says, Earth cooling schemes needed, uh, need global sign-off, the researchers say. They want a, a globalized governance system to do all, take over all the geoengineering. It says, controversial geoengineering projects that may be used to cool the planet must be approved by world governments to reduce the danger of catastrophic events, the British scientists said. The Met Office researchers, remember the Met Office in the Hadley Center? They came out with all the emails where, they were, where it was quite evident they were fudging all their figures and so on. Same place, Met Office researchers have called for global oversight of the radical schemes after studies showed they could have huge unintended impacts on some of the world's most vulnerable people. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix. We're reading an article about geoengineering. And it says, packed nicely into the language of preventing catastrophic incidents and protecting some of the world's most vulnerable people, they argue for a global sign-off by governments. And it says, the massive complexity associated with geoengineering and the potential for winners and losers means that some form of global governance is essential, said Jim Haywood at the Met Office's Hadley Centre in Exeter. It's interesting to note that this comes from the Hadley Centre the same institution that was at the centre of Climate Gate scandal with all their emails when they fudged all their statistics and, so, and talked about it. Some of the most prominent advocates of man-made global warming are working there. As people are slowly are waking up to the facts of global engineering, uh, geoengineering and start questioning the practice which has been going on for decades under the radar of the public and without debates in national parliaments or the UN, this awakening leads to the need to legalise this practice. This is exactly what these scientists and experts are now calling for. It's however interesting that they admit that through geoengineering, catastrophic events already have taken place. And that's true in that article, the admits already happened. It says that the dangers arose in projects that cooled the planet unevenly. In some cases, these caused devastating droughts across Africa. In others, they increased rainfall in the region, but left huge areas of Brazil parched. And also the south, and south of, of the U.S. as well. It says, while the unaware public is wondering why there are droughts in one region and deluges in the other, why there are unprecedented wildfires in one region, in and out of season hurricanes and others, the messing around with the atmosphere has been going on at accelerated rates. Now it seems that even the advocates of the global warming theory get a little scared. It says, the warming builds on work by scientists and engineers to agree to regulatory framework that would ban full-scale geoengineering projects at least temporarily. See, they've been, this is a mission they've been doing full-scale geoengineering projects for quite some time. But allow smaller research projects to go ahead. And of course, if you get dumped, the stuff dumped on you, all these chemicals dumped on you, then that comes into their winners and losers. Obviously, you'll be the loser. It says, all in all, it's a half-hearted attempt to justify the massive stratospheric geoengineering that's going on, and by asking for an international regulatory framework, they hope they can legalize their past catastrophic actions. They acknowledge that there are massive complexities associated with geoengineering, and by extension, massive complexities with climate science in general, because they're 
pouring chemicals and sulfates now on you, as well as aluminum oxides and barium and, and even some strontium. It says, if these scientists and experts were serious, they would simply admit to the fact that climate science is far from an agreement on the scale of global warming, or even if it takes place at all. Instead of calling for an immediate end to stratospheric geoengineering and plead guilty to having messed up the natural cycles of the weather patterns, they now want an absolution by international regulation, making geoengineering legitimate retrospectively. Now, they know that if they admit it, come out and say, yeah, we'll have, well, you see, there's going to be thousands, maybe millions of lawsuits going in. Because so many folk have died of this, you know. People with respiratory problems. And today, so many folk have respiratory problems and asthmas now. Because we've got, we've got the new asthma, the new normal, where people in their 30s and 40s get it for the first time because all, since all the spraying started. And they get infections they can't clear up. And they're very young, are also popping off here and there with it. And so are the elderly. So they can't afford to say, yeah, we've been killing you. You understand? So as it says here, they want to get an international regulation making geoengineering legitimate retrospectively. In other words, cover, cover what they've done already. And of course, there's no mention in, in this mainstream article about the military use of weather modification and the high uh, aural aerial research project, the HARP facilities. Now there's any information about the ingredients found in the toxic mixture that spread and its effects on all living things. Uh, says the seemingly benign article morphs into a nice piece of disinformation by omission. Having said this in these times, it is an act of courage by the Guardian to touch this issue at all and to include one thoughtful voice, that of Matthew Watson, who leads the SPICE project at Bristol University, who said, says this paper tells us there are consequences for our actions, whatever we do. There's no get-out-of-jail-free card. Well, we shouldn't be in jail in the first place. Because all this nonsense about global warming is just that, folks. It's nonsense. It's an excuse to control the entire world and everyone who lives on it. That's what it is. They change your whole way of life. They raid people in Britain, for instance, that actually go through people's homes checking to see if you've got the latest efficiency fridge and stuff like that. I mean, it's disgusting, the power that's been given. And again, the ultra-big mafia that runs the world. And believe you me, there's different kinds of mafia and levels of it. Once you get up into the elite level, then you see, whatever you do is then legal. It's called government. It's called government, and you're a CEO of a corporation. Or that's all the legal side of it. And that's generally where they end up. And they need slaves. Lots of slaves, because that's the only, Karl Marx was right on that. All, all wealth comes from labor. And these guys at the top don't believe in labor for themselves. It's anathema to them. So it all comes from you. There's always been slavery in one form or another. And we're in the process of creating a more efficient form of slavery. That was Charles Galton Darwin in the 1950s. Think about it. Now, Obama's EU trade deal would include new political powers for corporations. Quite an interesting little article, actually. And it would give them much higher status, way beyond just a person even. And they'd have power almost equivalent to another nation, these international corporations. And they could sue nations and through the World Trade Organization, etc. I'll put this article up as well. And uh, hey, the music coming in, so we're back after this break.
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and I mentioned too that the Royal Institute for International Affairs, which set up the Council on Foreign Relations, and they have a branch of Council on Foreign Relations in almost every country now. It's all one organization run by the Royal Institute for International Affairs, private organization, uh, with massive clout. They advise governments on what to do. They put their own members into government and high bureaucracies, and uh, they've got lots of CEOs on board and so on. And this is the big movement across the world. They run all the media, and they own the media, in fact. And uh, you can't just join uh, them. You have to be asked to join. They actually really suss you out and watch you and observe you long, long before they ask you to join them to see if you're on board with them. And, um, of course, they set up the system to bring in and amalgamate the, the European countries, even before World War II. In fact, they need World War II to make it happen. They actually talked about that in their own journals. We need another war, they said. And they got it, and so they, they went into work, and uh, from 1948 onwards, they, they, they had a, a departments across Europe working in government uh, departments in all European countries, working steadily on amalgamation into t- the whole of Europe, not just for free trade, as they pretended to the general publics, but to actually amalgamate them and cement them together completely until they were binded together politically, economically, and every other way. Well, that's happened. Now they have the super parliament running the EU. But they also had one for the Americas too, and we're still working on that today, the NAFTA agreements and integration that's still going on. And, of course, they had one for the Pacific Rim region. Now, the Pacific Rim region they were working on from the 1930s even, early 1930s. Because one day, through it all, they knew they'd set up China as a massive manufacturer, And they knew, too, they'd have to give Australia, New Zealand, and a few other countries over under the umbrella of the Chinese domination bloc. And that's happening today. And, of course, they have the proper person in place as Prime Minister of Australia right now, and that's Julia Gillard, who's in 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 all the the cons, carbon, the whole thing. She's she's part of the whole thing. So it says Australia gives an environmental okay to uranium mine. And it says uh, Australia on Tuesday gave environmental approval for a new uranium mine in its resort-rich west with 36 conditions to guard against negative impacts from radiation and other factors. And Environment Minister Tony Burke said he was giving the go-ahead for for Toro's energy a $269 million, that's that's Australian, which is $281 million US. It says Luna uranium project of two open pits in a processing plant after rigorous environmental assessment. So this is all going to China. It's a Chinese company and so on. And they're all into various other things too. In that whole area where they're taking uranium, there's even gold fields and, and lots of other things too. So Australia is going along the, the agenda that was set out, as I say, back in the 20s and the 30s by the Royal Institute of International Affairs. And, of course, they started that with the Institute for Pacific Relations, which was a, a CFR department. It worked hard to make this all happen. So these guys make the, the future. They plan in 100-year projects, sometimes 200-year projects for things they want to accomplish. 100-year plans, 50-year plans, etc., etc., for different parts of the plan. And it, we're living through the time when it's all coming into fruition, you see. Now remember, foundations like the Royal Institute of International Affairs, Rockefeller Brothers Foundation, and uh, all the other foundations out there, 
they fund other foundations just like laundering money through them, in fact. Many other foundations, uh, and uh, they are not just advising governments on all kinds of policies, geopolitical policies and strategies. They also do it with social strategies on changing cultures and so on. And they're advisors to the culture creators, too, even in Hollywood. So they're all working on board with one direction, you see. That's how you control the world and the minds of billions of people. And as I say, no money is spared because foundations can, are, are always there regardless of what political party is in or out. A foundation can have, sometimes some foundations are set off with one thing to accomplish, one main task. Now we, we have a multi-million, sometimes multi-billion tax-free foundation. You can certainly go through many generations to you accomplish your task and pay for all your NGO armies that you employ to make it happen. So it's quite easy for them to do it. And there's no counter to this, you see. And there's no such thing as a democratic process involved because we have no say in what these private companies do and corporations do and the private foundations. So anyway, Australia's right on the, the, the path to that was designed a long, long time ago is to sell off all of its natural resources, basically, and is to go to China, primarily. Also, too, and we find naturally with the Cyprus bank fiasco is they scalped the populations by plundering their bank accounts. It says, there's a mass deletion of data on the former Bank of Cyprus executives' computers. It says, deletion of data allegedly took place in computers belonging to senior Bank of Cyprus executives according to the leaked findings of a probe into the circumstances that forced the island's biggest lenders to seek state assistance. The state has told them, plunder your accounts. Alvarez and Marcel, it says, the firm tasked with investigating why Bank of Cyprus and Lakey uh, sought to uh, state assistance said the information provided by Bank of, of Cyprus was incomplete and data deleted or deleting software was found on the computers of two senior executives. Our computer forensic technologists have found that the computers of two employees, former CEO Mr. Andreas Eliads and the senior management group Treasury and Private Banking, Christakis Patsalids, has had been wiped, had wiping software loaded, which is not part of the standard software installations at the BOC. Mass deletion of data appears to have been undertaken on the Patsalids computer on October the 18th, 2012. You see how far ahead they plan to get the big boys' money out. Big boys never lose, never lose. Never lose, you see. We're run by these big, giant criminal gangs, you see. That's, I mean, I'm not kidding you. I don't care how many degrees some of these guys have. These are big criminal gangs. And lots of them have degrees. And it says here, the A&M's findings were handed over to the Parliament Wednesday, and the firm said some deletion had taken place after a data preservation notice was issued to BOC by the Central Bank of Cyprus. And it says investigators found no email files, mailboxes, or user documents on Eliad's desktop computer. Now, this, according to the firm, could suggest the computer was not used by Eliad's or the hard drive was formatted or wiped by BOC after the, the former CEO left the bank, or it was wiped using data removal software such as CCleaner installed on the computer. ADM said there, was, there were more gaps in the data collection. So they'll, they'll be, those gaps will stay. Nothing will happen because this is just the agenda, etc. Uh, they always do this. They always make sure the big boys never get any punishment, you see. And key data, another one too says key data missing at Trouble Bank of Cyprus inquiry, and so that's from the BBC. 
and says some key data about bond purchases by Bank of Cyprus. Now the focus of the controversial EU IMF bailout is missing. And it says the gaps were found in computer records studied by a financial consultancy, Alvarez and Marshall, Cypriot Media say. It says Bank of Cyprus, the island's biggest bank, bought Greek bonds, which turned into some 1.9 billion euros uh, at, of, of losses in the Greek debt crisis. Depositors with more than 100,000 euros in the bank are now facing a big loss. Uh, it says the haircut, which is just theft. You see, they, they just use neologisms to, 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 to confuse your mind. It's theft is theft, folks, when they tell you you plundered the depositors. For such deposits in the banks of Cyprus, it's expected to be about 60%. So no matter what your account is, you're going to lose six, at least 60% of it, maybe, maybe the all. And the money taken from these accounts and from deposits above 100,000 euros at Lakey, popular bank, will be used by the government to contribute billions towards the bailout. So they're going to steal to, to keep the bank afloat. And that's going to spread across the world, folks. This is just the, the test bed, you see. And getting us all used to the idea. And the Cyprus bailout will cost the British taxpayers £38.2 million. Isn't that wonderful being a taxpayer? See, that's, understand the legal systems of law. And when you're a citizen, it tells you the different definitions of what a citizen is. But it also means that you're, you're born with pre-existing duties. And some of those pre-existing duties are pay taxes and pay off uh, any loans that your government borrows. Before you're born. Pre-existing duties. Isn't it wonderful? And it says the British taxpayers are forced to pay 30.2 million towards European-led bailout of Cyprus. And it says the UK is contributing towards the 8.5 billion rescue uh, plan through the International Monetary Fund. And the IMF, which is another big private organization, uh, part of the cabal of the World Bank and the International, the Bank for International Settlements. These are the big ones, the big sticks that are to rule the global society, folks. And we haven't given them any, there's no citizen in the world got the chance to vote on even accepting these institutions that set themselves up. And who set them up? The Royal Institute of International Affairs set them up. Read their historian's book on it. It tells you. It gave you the whole agenda. This is, but anti-Brussels critics were furious that Britain is again being made to help shore up the euro despite not being a member of the European single currency zone. So they'll, they'll pay up regardless. You know, that's what, that's what taxpayers are for. You know, that's what the, you know, that's what the, the proles are for. Now, there's some special folk get awfully, you know, well rewarded for everything that happens, even when they do nothing at all. And I've mentioned articles about this woman before. Baroness Ashton in England, who was put up at the EU with no experience whatsoever to get a massive paycheck. To do nothing at all. But it says here, she shall now be paid £400,000 by the EU to do nothing. So she'll be entitled to £400,000 at the taxpayer's expense over three years for doing nothing after finishing her five-year term as the European Union's foreign minister at the end of 2014. See, special folk can get this kind of deal, you know. It's not bad work when you can get it, eh? So the Daily Telegraph has established, established that the Labour peer who finished her job as highway, or such as highway robbery, high representative of foreign affairs October next year, will be paid £133,500 a year, 55% of her basic salary until the end of 2017. It's called a transitional allowance and does not require her to do any work at all and she will be paid under reduced rates of the EU community tax. So they get a special tax rate rather than the standard British tax rates for high-income earners. Oh, it's just wonderful being a mobster, eh? Isn't it? 
The allowance is, is defended as, uh, as the price for the total independence of senior EU officials like Lady Ashton, who is also a vice president of the European Commission, who must also ask permission for any job they would like to do for 18 months after leaving. It's important that commissioners don't start looking for a new job during the last months of their mandate and that they take their time over finding appropriate new employment. So say, help them find new employment, you understand. So it's that way they can collect, continue to give 100% to the job taxpayers are paying them to do, which is nothing on her case, and there is much less risk of a conflict of interest. It's not bad. As I say, once you, you get up into the, you know, not just the usual extortion rackets down below or, or the rackets of investments and rip-offs and insider trading, things like that, once you get right into the to the legalized theft, it's now official, you're legally allowed to rob the public, like her, you see. Then you, you, all these perks are thrown in. Eh? It's quite wonderful. And that's what it is, folks. It's time you altered your perceptions, let them work properly again. Not the way they tell you, but the way... You can see for yourself. So, that's how it is. Now, I also put up an article tonight. It's quite an interesting article because it got a lot of flack, of course. But it's, uh, I think it's from uh, uh, Pat Buchanan. And he's talking about, can one nation have two moralities? And he says, not, and it starts off with a, a quote from Alexis de Tocqueville. It says, not until I went to the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. America is great because she's good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. Isn't that the truth, eh? And uh, this article was quite good. It goes through the fact of um, the marriage between men and men and women and women and all the rest of it, how the morals are all getting altered and pushed and the big money behind them is pushing it all. And can, is, can a country have two, two moralities? And of course you can't. But just, just what, the reason I, I'm putting this one up tonight to this link up, and I'll put all these links up at cutting com, is because uh, this article got so much flack and hate, hate like you wouldn't believe, from all the big NGO groups out there for, for just giving out his point of view. Now, China, of course, uh, they've got big problems right now with the massive pig kill-off, die-off they've got over there. And it hasn't been made clear yet what's caused it, but we know that one big vaccine company, was uh, American vaccine company, I think, was over there testing stuff on pigs. And we don't know if that's what's been behind it or not. But, however, we know, too, that there's a mass kill-off and a mass slaughter of poultry as this new bird flu they're talking about kills six on the verge of becoming epidemic. Now, they have to do this now. Even, you understand, in some countries, in, in Korea and Malaysia and so on, you, you'll find, in Indochina, you'll find some people actually will drink the blood of chickens. So it's raw. And that's how the H1A5 one was getting, uh, um, contaminating certain people, but not spreading from person to person. It's from the person who actually took the blood, you see. So this could be the same again. They're not sure yet. They don't think it's spreading from people to people so far. But it's really they're coming off uh, lots and lots of their uh, mask hole on, on, on other poultry, etc. Uh, so I'll put this up tonight as well. Now, again, uh, Carol Quigley, the, the historian for the Royal Institute of International Affairs, Dash Council on Foreign Relations, and you've got to get his book, 
That's called the Anglo-American establishment. When he uses the terms Anglo and American, doesn't mean these folk are necessarily really English or really American. They have another thing that they, they are, they're devoted to. But he does go through the whole agenda for them. He was all for them. He was the personal historian where they have archives, their own archives of history, because they've been behind lots, most of the wars actually you've had for the last hundred years. And he admits that too. All, all to bring in this global system. That's how they got the United Nations on the go. We need World War II to make it happen. Then you get binding agreements, etc., etc. But, um, he also said that the big banks, the Bank for International Settlements would be the big, big boss eventually, and the people would be trained to accept that it was, because we didn't get a chance to vote on it or even agree with it, just suddenly it would be there. And it would take power to itself. The IMF, he mentioned too, would be the big debt collector and the hard man that came in if you got in trouble paying off your loans for a country, and it slashed your country to the bone with health, welfare and everything else. And also he talked about uh, the powerful central banks, the private central banks that must be established under what they would call democratic institutions, uh, would borrow money, etc., to get the countries into debt and keep them in debt. It's a way of controlling them. And they made this European Central Bank only a few years ago. It's not an old organization, the European Central Bank, to take over from the, the national private central banks. And this is all part of the strategy that you talked about. So they're, they're, they're causing the chaos and the crisis to, to give themselves more power and legitimize themselves. So the European Central Bank is, says it's ready to act to help languishing economy. You want, no, the last thing you want is their help, folks. But it says the European Central Bank President Mario Draghi opened the door Thursday to an interesting rate cut as soon as next month, seeing his bank stands ready to act to boost the recession-hit eurozone economy. Now, these guys have helped plunder every European country over the last, since 2008. They're still plundering them, but they're going to help you at the same time. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and I'll take Larry from Louisiana. We're still hanging on there. Uh, you may have already covered it, uh, but did you catch that story about that town in California? Uh, their smart meters just happened to have a third circuit in it, and they turned on Wi-Fi Internet outside the story. said, get that, outside Wi-Fi Internet for the whole town. That yeah. proves the connection of the smart meter to other than just the electric company. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about it. In fact, they had articles in Canadian news years ago. When they talked about the coming of the smart meters, this is at least maybe eight years ago, maybe ten years ago, and they said that mainstream articles too, they said that this would um, enable uh, the power brokers and politicians even to cut out whole areas uh, of the grids when necessary to, to relate to another area, for instance, for the coming brownouts that's going to be because they don't plan on building. Uh, better energy supplies. They want to bring us down in the consumption of energy. But you're, you're quite right. That's, that's exactly what they can do, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that was real. And then that tricky little way they wrote it, the outside. Well, if it's outside Internet, it's also inside Internet. Thank you, Alan. Yes, yes uh, thanks for calling. And it's true, I mean, when they put these smart meters in, and they've got them up here in Canada, uh, you'll also notice on the nearest telegraph pole, there's a little white stick they put on it. That's the antenna that it uh, that, that receives transmissions from your smart meter, 
and it picks up. It's got three different modes of transmission. It's got broadband across the, the very wires, the, the main live wires that come in. It's also a circuit. It's got number two, it's got FM transmission, and then it's got microwave transmission. It's got all three transmission systems built into it for different agencies to use. So, so you're, you're darn right, yeah. Now we'll go on to Julie uh, Gillard again in Australia. The best thing that China has ever had because she was a Fabian Society guy. Uh, that's another part of the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And it says she's Australian PM Gillard on China trade mission. So she's, it's, it's the interesting terminology they're using because they use these code words and, and phrases when they, they're binding you together. And Britain all through the, the EU is, is Prime Ministers every year would bind bind uh, tri- uh, tri- uh, ties, they called it, with the, the countries. That's the terms they used. They're actually amalgamating the countries. So it says, as Prime Minister Julie Gillard left for China five-day visit aimed at strengthening ties. There he goes. It's the very term they always use, strengthening ties. Eventually it's binding ties and closer ties with the country's largest trade partner. So Australia is definitely going into the economic bloc of the, of the Pacific Rim, as the Royal Institute of International Affairs said they would a long, long time ago. And also, a good article says, guilty as sin is free as a bird. This is Corzine edition. He suddenly doesn't know where the money is, but he's bored and feels like starting a hedge fund. Again, he's a special person, you see. This is, um, he's got good news and bad news. Uh, this is a fine one for morning. The good news is that we have a new investment opportunity for those eager to improve financial means. The bad news is that it consists of a hedge fund run by none other than John, uh, Corzine is. The guy who said, I simply don't know where the money is. Remember, I had, had a big company. Didn't go to prison, nothing. Now he's starting up a big hedge fund. See, once you're up into the legal system, you've crossed that barrier, you've got legal crime, you see, and you, you can't go to prison. And you can, you can do it over and over again. You're, you're untouchable. So I'll put this article up again tonight too. And just to finish off, I get the music coming. Hillary Clinton. Now everybody loves Hillary, you know, with her, her wonderful mouth and eloquence of speech. Um, and amongst all the nasty follow words. It says Hillary Clinton takes her first paid speaking engagement in Dallas. And she's expected to collect a six-figure payment for the job. That's how they get their rewards for all the deals they put through when they were in, folks. And she'll be the director, no doubt, of a whole bunch of companies, too. She won't have to sit on the seats. She'll just have to have it there empty to collect the paychecks. From Hamish Mustard from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. And God of your gods go with you.